Hi everybody, welcome to the Women's Dating and Confidence Podcast. My name is Amber and today we're going to be doing a Q&A episode. Before we get into that, I want to share with you my free guide called Copy and Paste Texts for when he's pulling away or acting flaky. The link for that is going to be in the show notes of this episode. Also, if you haven't already, make sure that you get on the waitlist for the next opening of my coaching program called From Dating to Exclusive. This is where I guide you from casually dating, situationships, and endless dating to an exclusive relationship that is committed and not casual. So let's go ahead and dive into some of these questions. I got them from Instagram. So at first, I thought that I would get your questions in my DMs when I put the little question thing in my story. So the first day I was like, nobody wants to ask any questions, I guess. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to think of a different podcast episode to do. But then I realized that it's in the story. I have to actually like click something there. And there were a lot of questions. So I'm not sure if I'll get through all of them today, but I do plan on getting through all of them. Some of them were really funny and some of them were more specifically about dating. And I haven't prepared anything for it. We're just going to dive in. So the first one is actually from my ex-boyfriend, and he said, what are the details of the secret language you use with your BFF? And what he's referring to is that my best friend Julia and I, in high school, we were taught a way to speak in code, and it sounds like a full-on language. So I'll just do a little example for you here. Of a guy with a gil, of a gust, of a goo, of a gull, of a git, of a gull, of a gigs, of a camp, of a goal, of a gore, you have a goo, of a gear. <laughs> that was me saying, I'll just do a little example for you here in the secret language. I can't tell you anything other than that, but sometimes we still whip it out when we need to, especially to upset people around us and annoy them when they can't understand what we're saying. Okay, next question. Where do people even meet these days? I'm online dating and I'm exhausted. I totally understand that. I was just talking to the women in my coaching group this week about starting to really integrate meeting people in person again in our dating strategy. So when the pandemic started, it went from mostly in person meeting people to almost 100%, well, actually pretty much 100% online dating. And that was really good because we perfected that strategy and we were able to still create relationships during that time. Um, But now most of us are back to normal and we want to be able to meet people in person again. And one thing that I was telling my clients is in the past, before the pandemic, what I used to tell people is that online dating should be a supplement and not the whole meal. So it's like the multivitamin you take, but it's not a replacement for actual food. So meeting people in person should be the main strategy. And then online dating is to kind of fill in the gaps if we didn't happen to meet somebody that week. So we can kind of stay on pace with meeting enough new people so that we can meet our person hopefully within the year. So if you want a more in-depth Um, look at that. Actually, just look at the most recent episode called Three Levels of Meeting Men in Person. And that will give you some more ideas for how to create a strategy around meeting men in person instead of um, just through online dating. 
The next question is, how early is too early to share that I'm avoidant and working on getting better? So I think that you want to share this when it organically comes up. And similar with a lot of other topics that we feel are heavier or more polarizing or more important in the early dating stages, we actually want to see those things as part of getting to know somebody instead of necessarily a disclosure conversation. So for example, with another client, I was talking to her about how to bring up the topic of wanting a relationship or wanting marriage or wanting kids in the future. And the way that she was approaching that conversation was, okay, yeah, we're talking, we're having a fun date, we're having a great time. Okay, let's take a break from that quickly, go to the side here, have this very serious disclosure conversation, and then we can go back to the conversation that we were having on the date. And so it's almost this separate thing that we have to do on the side and then come back to getting to know each other, having fun and all of that. So to actually come back to the question of how early is too early, I don't think there's any too early. I think that it will just come up when it comes up, right? So don't force and try to like get it in there the first date or the second date. That's the kind of thing where at some point within a month of dating somebody, the topic of past relationships will probably come up. And then that's a place where you could probably share a little bit more and open up about how you've noticed that you show up in past relationships and what you've been learning and what you've been working on versus like, okay, I'm holding this information. When can I drop this bomb? (laughs) When can I like put this in here? And it just becomes part of getting to know you and part of getting to know the other person. Okay. I also just saw the same person had an A (laughs) follow-up question. She said, rephrase, should partners discuss their attachment styles with one another? If so, when? And I don't think you should, like you have to, the same way that you should talk about if you want kids or if you want marriage, um, because I'm sure that many couples don't even know (laughs) what an attachment style is. So I wouldn't say that you have to or you should, I think it's interesting. I think it can help you understand each other a lot better and it can help you have more empathy and context for the other person's needs. Um, So for example, I made that episode about how to support your anxious partner. I should probably do one for how to support your avoidant partner as well. If you tell the person that you're dating that you tend to need some space after a lot of closeness or that you feel anxious about growing closer to somebody, it would probably help them not take it so personally when you had something like that come up, or it would help you communicate more clearly that that's what's going on versus the other person guessing what's going on with you. So I think that it is good to talk about, especially if you do have that language And really attachment style theory just gives us that language so that we can be on the same page with other people. Next question. I'm going on so many first dates and trying to practice calm, positive vibes, but after I'm still feeling dejected. So I would be curious to know more information about why that's coming up for you and what your specific thought process is. But just from a general perspective, I get you. I know that it's hard. I know 
that going on a lot of dates and not creating the relationship that you want yet can feel really discouraging. So I want to just offer a few quick general tips for, you know, keeping your energy up as you go through that process and staying hopeful. Um, Number one is to extract everything that you can from the dates that you do go on. So first of all, um, coming into the date with first date intentions, maybe a skill that you want to practice, like being more playful or seeing things more unfiltered or being more flirty or practicing um, physical touch with people. Whatever it is that you feel like you need to grow in or would like to grow in that will eventually help your future connections, try to come with that intention and use the dates as a way to practice being the person that you want to be, a more expressed version of yourself and a person who will be so ready to connect with the right person. And then also extract everything from it in terms of things that you learn and in terms of how much fun it's possible for you to have. It should be possible to have fun with people even if they are not your forever person. And sometimes it's not your forever person, but you still learn a lot about yourself or about the world or about the way they see things or they share an interesting opinion. And there's a lot that you can get from that as well. Now, that being said, I understand that when it's not that person, it's still not as good (laughs) as having your person. And that kind of is just the way that it is. It can be an interesting or fun or worthwhile experience in and of itself without being the ultimate experience that you're looking for. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't get anything from it. And I think when we dismiss all those dates as like all or nothing, that's when it's really extra depleting and we can't enjoy the process and it makes it harder to connect with people when we go on future dates or it leads to us quitting and not finding our person altogether. And one thing that I think is really important for keeping your perspective as well is to really zoom out and keep your perspective. So if you are looking for your partner in life, you're probably going to spend 30, 40, 50 years with that person. And I think that we inevitably have a bias while dating and when we're single to not really understand how freaking long (laughs) that is. (laughs) Like even 10 years, 20 years, like it's a long, long time. And so it's so worth it to find a good person to partner up with. It is so worth it to take your time to not rush yourself, to not settle for an unkind person or the 40% person or the 10% person. It's worth it to interview a lot of candidates for this role. And you will be so grateful that you did that when you are 30 years in and you still really like your person because they're absolutely wonderful and they were compatible with you and you took the time to find your right person and not just any person. This next one is not a question, it's just a comment, and she said, No question, but I have been with my boyfriend for almost three years thanks to you. That is so cool, and it's amazing to think about all of these little stories or successes that I have never heard about because it's just from listeners of the podcast. So thank you for sharing that with me, and I'm really happy for you. 
Next question, what steps did you take to become a relationship coach? Curious about your journey. So my interest in dating and relationship coaching started when I was actually in high school. And I was starting to date in kind of an adult way because I went to school in Zurich. So I commuted into the city. I was using online dating apps. It wasn't like an American high school where, you know, you meet people through school. I was meeting people in the city through apps, out and about people who are older than me too. And I had a very like quick introduction to the world of dating at such a young age. And it wasn't what I expected it to be. I was actually having a really hard time with it because I always thought that I would just meet somebody and we would like each other and that was enough. And that was simple. And then we would just spend all our time together. Like, why isn't it like, I still don't understand. Why is it not like that? (laughs) But anyways, that then led to an interest in dating coaching. So I found Matthew Hussey on YouTube and I started watching his videos and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You can learn things that help you connect better with people and feel more confident. And I started to notice my confidence skyrocket by applying all of these coaching tools that I was learning about and by learning about relationship dynamics and understanding how I could also influence the connections that I had with people. So that was just the personal interest. That's where it started. I was just listening to things and watching things and reading things like you are listening to this podcast. And then years later, I read a book from Dr. Aziz Ghazipura and I reached out to him. I emailed him and I said, hey, I really want to be a coach like you. And I was wondering if you would create an internship for me, if I could work for you and you would teach me how to work with people and help me become a coach. And he said, long story short, he said yes. And we created this internship together, or rather, he created this internship and then I was his intern. And then after that, he hired me to work with some of his clients And I would also come to his live events and work with people there. And all the while I was growing my own company, which had a very long start. (laughs) It took a while to find you. (laughs) And, um, but that's actually really interesting because when I first started, like around the time when I reached out to Dr. Aziz, I wanted to be a dating coach for men. And so I went to my salsa classes and I went up to men and I was like, hey, like I'm a dating coach for men and I need like experience. I need my first few clients and I need feedback. So uh, do you want to get some free sessions? So what I actually did was I would go on practice dates with men and I would have them take me out (laughs) and then do whatever they want to do. I mean, not whatever they want to do. (laughs) That sounded wrong. I just mean they would plan the date. They would take me out on a date. And then after the date, I would send them a PDF 
and I would let them know how the date went and what they could work on and what went well. And that was my first few clients that I worked with were men. But then I was on one of those dates. So I went to a coffee shop to meet this guy from salsa class and we were doing our practice dates and I was asking him a lot of deep questions as I do. I was just being myself and how I am on dates and it was great. He left and I stayed at the coffee shop and then this woman sitting next to me, she did not know I was on a practice date. She just thought I was on a date and she tapped me on the shoulder. She's like, excuse me, whatever you were just doing, how do you do that? <laughs> like, how do you talk to men like that? How, like, I, those questions you were asking, like, I need to know how to talk to men like that. And I was like, well, aren't you in luck? I'm a dating coach. And that was my first paying client who was a woman. And uh, yeah, so we would just meet at the coffee shop and I would coach her on dating and uh, we had our first few sessions and that's how I got started. And I quickly realized in working with women that it was different and I really preferred working with women in general. I just felt like the experiences I've had are very similar to other women. So there was just this feeling of being on the exact same page. Like I exactly understand where you're coming from and the unique challenges that you face. And um, I just felt like I had a lot more of a foundation to work from as I was working with women. So that's when I decided to actually work with women in my own company. So anyways, that's a very long story of how I got started. And there are a lot more stories that go into that. But long story short, I did an internship and then worked with Dr. Aziz at the Center for Social Confidence, and then I started my own company. Next question, what is a good way to manage your time doing online dating? So my whole strategy around online dating is based on having you spend as little time online as possible, and it comes from a few core ideas. The first core idea is that we don't actually connect with people until we have a human-to-human connection. A human-to-human connection is involving your voice, your face, or your smell. (laughs) So basically a phone call, a video call, or being in person. And you don't actually connect with people via text until you've had the human connection established. That's the way that I see it. And we are much more likely to receive better behavior from people once there's a more human connection versus like the flakiness that we experience, even when we've been texting people for a while. A a large part of that is that there isn't a human to human connection and therefore investment. So we try to get to that human to human connection as quickly as possible. And the other core pillar is that nobody wants to be there right? So nobody wants to just hang out online all day. We want to meet people and have flirtation and chemistry and fun and all of that. So we don't actually get that online. So why would we uh, exasperate 
that by messaging people and trying to get to know them online. Let's do other people a favor and move it to a human-to-human connection as quickly as possible. And then lastly, the only purpose of online dating, the apps or any online dating site, is introduction. You want to think of apps the same way as a friend introducing you to another friend. Like, oh, hey, Bob, this is Marie. Like, that's what the app does, and that's where it ends as well. So don't try to get more from it, like gauging your compatibility or how much chemistry you have or if they're funny. Don't try to get that from an app. You want to get that from the human-to-human connection. So the online dating strategy then is to not spend so much time in the first place on the app. And what that means is actually asking people out within three exchanges or less. And remember that you only really need to go on about one date per week. So once you got your one date, like you have something scheduled for Friday, don't be on the apps the rest of the week. You don't need to talk to five other people or get the next date scheduled. You already have a date that week and that's all you need to do. And then when you want to meet somebody new, you can go on the app again. Um, And then, of course, implementing some of the strategies for meeting men in person that we talked about in the last episode. This next one is from my friend Billy. He said, describe the time you used the most ketchup you've ever used on a meal. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, I actually don't know if it's ketchup, but I'm in Barcelona right now and I got patatas bravas. And I think the red sauce is like ketchup-y, like spicy ketchup. And the other one is aioli. It's like garlic mayo. So I feel like the red one must be some sort of ketchup. And they gave me like a good cup of it and I used all of it. So I think that's the most ketchup I've ever used. (laughs) Okay, I looked it up. It's not ketchup, but it does have tomatoes in it. So I feel like it, it still counts. All right, on that note, I'm going to save the other questions for the next episode. Thank you so much for listening today. And again, if you want to work together to go from dating to exclusive, make sure that you get on the waitlist for the next coaching program. I'll see you there. Have a good day. Bye.